0: Welcome to the London Review Bookshop. I'll start off uh, reading. I'm, go- I'm just going to read two uh, things. <laughs> I can't call them. They're in a, in a netherworld between uh, lyrics and, and, and the P word, which I can't even say. Um, so I'm just going to read it. Um, anyway, this one's called Deep Fried in Kelvin. Uh, Kelvin Flats is a is a, like a, it doesn't exist anymore. It was like a kind of a social housing project in Sheffield, and um, it's funny actually because I've been performing at the Barbican this week, and I suppose that's the idea of like a social housing with uh, you know a, a kind of cultural centre attached, and it seems to kind of work. But in Sheffield, it didn't seem to work. It was if you were living in high rise concrete places, it just wasn't. You know, that there was no lemongrass um, <laughs> or anything. Anyway, deep-fried in Kelvin. Oh, children of the future, conceived in the toilets of Meadow Hall, to be raised on cheap corn snacks and garage food, rolling empty cans down the stairwell, don't you love that sound? Like the thoughts of a bad social worker rattling around his head, trying to remember what he learned at training college. Mester said you wasn't allowed in here, so why don't you get lost? And if you're good, then when you grow up, maybe you can live on Kelvin. Yeah, you can live in Kelvin, and promenade the concrete walkways where pigeons go to die. A woman on the four this, be, this bit should be like this actually. A woman on the fourteenth floor noticed that her ceiling was bulging as if under a great weight. When the council investigated, they discovered that the man in the flat above had transported a large quantity of soil into his living room, in which several plants he had stolen from the local park were growing. When questioned, the man said that all he had wanted was a garden. (laughs) Oh God, I think the future has been deep fried. Deep fried in Kelvin, and now it's rotting behind the remains of a stolen motorbike. I never touched it honest but there was nothing else to do we don't need your sad attempts at social conscience based on taxi rides home at night from exhibition openings we just want your car radio and bass reflex speakers now suffer the little children to come unto me and I will tend their adventure playground splinters and cigarette burns and feed them fizzy orange and chips that they may grow up straight and tall that they may grow up to live on Kelvin. Oh yeah, we can have ghettos too, only we use air rifles instead of machine guns. Stitch that. And we drink diamond white. In the end, the question you have to ask yourself is, are you talking to me or are you chewing a brick? (laughs) And do you know the answer to that question? Either way, you lose your teeth. that's a that's a cheery one i'll just do what i'll just do one more before we get talking this so that's quite an early song and 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 slightly nasty or whatever this one's about um um gray floaters D- do you know what they are uh, sometimes if you um if it's a clear day which obviously doesn't a- happen that often but um if you look up at the sky, sometimes you might see some kind of shadowy thing floating. You get that? I, th- I believe what it is is the uh, the um, skin from the retina. That's the thing at the back of your eye, isn't it? Yeah. It becomes dislodged, and because your eyeball is sealed, there's nowhere for it to go. So you've got these kind of flakes of um, of s- detached skin, basically floating in the in the vitreous humor inside your eye. It's a lovely thought, isn't it? And uh, and I noticed this when I was a kid, and uh, I was very uh, worried about it and thought that I had worms inside my eye. And because I had to wear glasses anyway, I, I wouldn't tell my mother, and I worried about it for years and years. But apparently it's quite um, common. But I think it does build up as you get older. And uh, so it refers to that in, in, this, uh, in this song. Um, because in my mind, I think of it as one of those snow domes. You know when you go to the seaside and get one of them? I get it going like that. Anyway. <laughs> Probably can't see anything by the time you're 90. Anyway, uh, this is called You're In My Eyes, uh, disco song. Grey floaters inside my eyes, visible when you look into a clear blue sky. Memories of days gone by activated by a mirror ball shining bright in a provincial disco on a Thursday night. You appeared from nowhere beside me on the floor. Identical in every detail to the way you were before. The best part of a decade since you went out of my life. The worst part of a decade. But here you are tonight by my side. You're in my eyes. You're in my face. Just like before you went away. You're in my arms. I feel your warmth. And I will dance until the dawn. Because I don't want to lose you again. A trick of the light. A disco hallucination, a waking dream, an impossible situation but you look real good in your halter top, don't stop, don't disappear, I need you here, you're in my eyes, you're in my face, just like before you went away, you're in my arms, I feel your warmth, and I will dance until the dawn, cause I don't want to lose you again, and I don't want this song to ever end, cause I know if it did, then you would disappear again let this be forever 3 a.m. caught in a loop that repeats endlessly. It was the mirror ball that did it a chance reflection that sparked you back to life like you'd just been to the bar for a little while and you smiled and there was nothing in your eyes not like this silt in mine making it hard to get around I thought you'd gone but all this time I'd been carrying you around in my eyes. You're in my eyes and one day my eyes will be full a snowstorm every time I shake my head But that day is not tonight And if we keep moving, dancing tight They might never catch us So the idea there was that the, the mirror ball sent a random ray of light into your eye And sparked one of these floating things And if that image, if that piece of skin happened to be the last thing it saw Was someone who was no longer alive or, or you didn't see anymore then it would kind of make them come back to life by a miracle, and that's what happened in the song. Isn't that nice? <laughs> anyway, that's it for now. Let's. Sorry, John. I've been waiting. Uh,
1: thank you very much, Jarvis. Oh, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I I spent a long time working out various introductions um, for this evening, and then I realised that you all know Jarvis Cocker already. You all know the music of Pulp already, and. Presumably, if you're here, you don't have too many doubts about the idea of publishing a book of lyrics. Um, so I just wanted to tell you, really start off by telling you a story about, um, about me and Pulp um, in my formative years. They say that you should never meet your heroes. I think they should change that a bit to, if you're going to meet someone that you admire and respect, you probably shouldn't write a piece in The Guardian titled My Hero, because it's, <laughs> it's kind of faintly embarrassing and a little bit creepy. Um, LAUGHTER We've just been downstairs for 20 minutes. It was really, really awkward. Um, anyway, anyway, um, that's not true, it was fine. In, in um, okay, so this is about me, and then it's gonna be about Travis. In, this is about lyrics, and why people need to know lyrics, and why people need to understand lyrics. Um, in 1995, um, I was a student. I went to Glastonbury for the first time, and, and the last time. Um, <clears throat> I was at University in Bradford and I went out of my, my final exam of that first year and I hitched, went up to the motorway and hitched down to, to Glastonbury, it was very exciting, very glamorous um, I got a lift with a couple of nurses from Leeds, that was nice and we went to, a um, little chef had a cup of tea went to Glastonbury and they went off and I went off to find my friends and um, I don't know if any of you remember time before mobile phones it's quite difficult to find your friends at Glastonbury <laughs> before mobile phones I spent the whole weekend on my own looking for my friends <laughs> in a field, not a field in Hampshire. Yeah. Um, but anyway, while it, was, it, was, it was kind of a mixed experience. It was mostly an unpleasant experience, but there were some good things. Pulp played um, a fairly, fairly renowned set. I think you looked like you were enjoying yourself that day.
0: Yeah, although I was in a, in a slight mental state as well. Good. I hadn't lost Good. all my friends. But.
1: No, no, no. Um, <clears throat> but the day before um, Polk played their set, I saw a um, there was a, there was I saw a tent, and um, and I wish the four people who were occupying that tent were here this evening. Maybe they are. Uh, anyway, on this tent it was kind of kind of typical kind of millet's four person dome tent, and someone had painted it very nicely. They were probably art students, I guess. Lots of flowers and leaves, and musical notes, and, um, and it, it was. Sophie, Jemima, Harriet and Lucy we are common people and I I just you know, no offence to anybody who's called Sophie or Jemima or Harriet or Lucy but I just had the impression that they hadn't quite listened to the song and hadn't quite understood it and um, I just wish, I hope, wherever they are today they're going to get hold of a copy of the book read the lyrics and kind of think through the kind of socio economic implications of decorating that tent that day anyway um that's just my, uh, some background um i've got some questions for you
0: okay, okay yeah
1: okay okay how was your day
0: uh, today has been an interesting I, i've been at the q awards um, and, and paul got given a, an award there the inspiration award well I was done. trying to re rename it the Perspiration Award. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I didn't.
1: Okay, okay. good. Um did you ever think this day would happen?
0: This day? <laughs> this
1: this this day.
0: Um, this this day, yeah. Well, that I would be discussing um well I was saying to you earlier downstairs, I think I think that one of the good things about um lyric writing is that um, people don't actually ask you about it um, like the people in, who I've been in the band with for, for years have never asked me about the words to the songs <laughs> and, and, uh, but that, I'm not saying that in like a oh don't you care <laughs> but uh, it's quite nice you know in a way to to, to just get on with it and, and not um, not have to kind of justify it. I, I, I think in the introduction to the book, I kind of said that a bit. It was slightly flippant, but it's true that if, because the words to a song aren't that essential to, to whether the song works, um, then that, that's quite liberating because you can kind of write about what you want. And as long as it kind of rhymes and sounds okay, then people will accept it. I mean, sometimes you can tell like, uh, sometimes people don't even bother with words. And it kind of works all right. I was, list w- uh, was listening, somebody put um, some music on by Can the other day in, in the dressing room of somewhere. And that Damo Suzuki guy, I mean I guess maybe his grasp of English weren't so good anyway, but he's just kind of making sounds that sound like, and it's kind of all right. Mm-hmm. So as long as you can kind of fulfil that criteria, you're okay. And so any content that you put in there is, is kind of, well, it's not just for yourself, I think, it, but I, I like the fact that it can also be like a secret thing or it feels like a kind of personal thing between you and the person who's listening. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's quite nice. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I'm just thinking with, with that content, as you're saying, um, what exactly are you advertising?
0: Um you quoting me bits from, from the songs here. You are, aren't you? <laughs> this this that's <laughs> What exactly are you advertising? That comes from the song Catcliffe Shakedown, a great lost classic. Um <laughs> Um Well I'm not advertising anything. Uh um I I don't like advertising actually. I think it it it, it um it kind of creates false desires mm-hmm. and makes you feel um, like you're missing something. That's, that's how it works, isn't it? It kind of makes you think, oh, I should have that. I need that um, water jug. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't actually need it. And, and so it kind of, it, it, it works on, on, um, on making you dissatisfied. That's my first rule of economics. Unhappy people spend more. Mm-hmm. That's the only rule of economics, really. Maybe. Did you study economics? No. no. <laughs> Actually I did. I did. Yeah. I got a D. I got a D. <laughs> so so that's probably yeah. That's probably why.
1: Yeah. We were talking earlier. Um, you were saying people always want to know how much of you is in the the songs, how much you know, how much biography, autobiography there is. Um, I'm not really interested in asking you that, but I just wonder just what exactly are you made of
0: (laughs) Um, now that's from what is that oh that's got me That I know the thing it goes oh yeah that's party art isn't it yeah Yeah. Um, well I'm not a party animal I don't think Um, um, um the, the debate about how much it, it is real and how much it isn't real in in songs, or how much is personal experience, and how much is made up, is uh, is one that people seem to be quite fascinated with. But uh, I think I said this the other day. I was up in Sheffield on the stage of the Crucible Theatre, you know, where home of televised snooker, <laughs> uh, which was exciting for me. And, uh, um, and 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 a guy asked me about that, and um, I, I said to him, "I think it's like a, it's like a, ma- a magician. You know, if you are a magician and you are a member of the magic circle, then uh, you are duty bound not to reveal your how your tricks are done. Mm-hmm. I think that's the rule. I think that's." The big rule of the magic circle Mm and I I don't know if you do any country in yourself but yeah
1: well I wouldn't be able to tell you if I was uh, in the magic circle
0: but um, so I think that thing of how much of what goes into your work is 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 actual lived experience and how much is it is imaginative is that's like a trade secret and if you told if you said well you know 46% of this song is true and the other 54% is made up that would it wouldn't be the same from song to song anyway, and it would also kind of be a bit pointless. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the basic kind of starting point of something has to be a, a, a real experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree with that. Um, you don't have to. I couldn't tell you,
1: <laughs> really. <laughs> you mean in, in my work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hate being asked about. That. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you did as I'm well. I'll back off then. Yeah, yeah. back off. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, no, you, you're flummoxing me because I'm, I'm trying to work everything into this kind of. All right, okay, so sorry. I sorry. You know, it's, it's not really working. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, how many times have you wished upon a star? <laughs>
0: Uh, that's from the song uh, "Space." Um, um, well, I-, I'm, I don't know if I've wished upon stars, but I, I was like, for instance, recently I've been quite fascinated with the story that uh, Sarah Brightman's going to spend kind of all of her money on going into space for like about a week. And I, and I think that's I quite admire that I mean that's showing because that was always my ambition when I was a kid I thought um, you know I think I've said it many times but I really did think that, that space travel would be a reality by this time and so didn't learn to ride a bike
2: <laughs>
0: no that's true I didn't learn to ride a bike till I moved down here to London like when I was like 25 um, you know, no way you can have bikes in space. So, <laughs> so, so it seemed a real thing. So, so at one time, I, I would really like have liked to have been in space. And and I've, that song that you quoted from there was about more a thing of uh, realizing that maybe should get engaged in life on Earth first. You know, like do a bit of that before you move on to other planets. Actually kind of you know, talk to people and maybe attempt to get on with them and stuff like that rather than go and burden alien life forms with yourself. Um, so so I've, I've kind of, I suppose, a, a, a trajectory in my career has always been downwards. <laughs> From being a kid of seeing the moon landing at like um, five years old and thinking that's where we're going. Uh, it's, it's been a constant kind of mm, aiming down. Maybe I'll end up underground eventually. Become a miner or something. Um, but uh, So I was really intrigued to see that she's, she's still on that one. And, and the idea that she's, I think this, they'd quoted something like she's going to spend like £30 million pounds to go up in this rocket and, and, and be in orbit for like a week and on the space station. I, I, I kind of was quite impressed by that. Well,
1: uh, this is this is news to me. This is might it? be a tangent, but I'm quite interested.
0: It's true, um, though, isn't it? Is it Have you heard of that? Yes. Yeah, it's yes. been in the papers. She's just going to go up to the
1: to the to the space station. So I think maybe it,
0: it, The Hang I out. guess it must be that one. What's it called? Well, that's it. Well, that also adds a depth to the work of hot gossip that, <laughs> that we wouldn't have thought was there, wouldn't it? You know, that we thought it was just a throwaway number, but actually she really is committed to space travel. So <laughs> um, so that, that was, oh, I'm really quite intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as for myself, um, I, I, I suppose I probably would still like to go to space. I don't know if I'd I'd lived there.
1: Do you think if you went to space, you would feel a sense of loss when you came back? I mean, do you think think when you've seen how big the world is, how can you make do with this?
0: Yeah, that's from um, glory days. Uh, Yeah, well... um, but I think like we were saying in, in that last question my we, we do see how big the world is don't we that's the thing uh, I suppose you know like um, we see how big the world is before we really get out into it to experience it uh, for me that was the TV I suppose like nowadays it would be like the internet and stuff like that, but you kind of see things and so are aware of things without any personal experience of them, and so you, you get that weird kind of mixture of kind of jadedness and, and, and then but also complete naivety of what it would really be like, mm-hmm. you know. Like you've seen tigers, know what they're you know, seen them, the stripe, hey? they're a big cat, but you know, if a tiger was in here. Jesus Christ! You know, like, <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do. I'd be shitting myself. You know, it would it would it would be Mayhem, wouldn't it? So so it's that weird thing of 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 kind of thinking you know about life and think oh yeah whatever Tiger yeah, but then if the real thing was there, and 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 I suppose that's the thing for me anyway. That's always been a kind of impetus is to try and break through that kind of shell of, of thinking you know about things and actually get to the somehow get to real experience and and um, that's 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 kind of my yeah that's my thing is to try and do that I guess that's why it was called Pulp you know, uh, even though that name was thought up in an economics lesson when I was, see I told you did economics <laughs> um, when I was like uh, 14 or something but I liked the name because because that was in a way was the point of it pulp being in the idea of of kind of worthless cultural production you know like things that weren't considered to be profound at all from the thing of cheap comics and Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. but a lot of stuff was considered pulp like early pop music and stuff like that it was just like throwaway crap that, that kids liked and so I liked the idea of calling yourself that because then it would be like trying to take that form pop music and trying to get through the cliches of all the oh love you baby oh yeah and all that and try and get somewhere into something naturally because those cliches become cliches because just through overuse but originally there's something real there and they are expressing something so if you can somehow kind of break through that and make it people see it again as if they'd never seen that thing before then that's kind of the in a way the point of trying to do it mm-hmm. i think
1: mm-hmm. that makes sense um i'm just thinking i uh, this list of questions i've got here i, I grew up in norwich and I, i'm kind of i'm channeling alan partridge <laughs> with, these, with this question format um quite pleased with all the ones I've chosen. Yeah, keep going, it's good. Rattle through them, and then we can have a normal conversation, how about that? Um, How can a child grow up to be straight and tall in this sad imitation of life? Mm.
0: It's a deep question. It is difficult. That's from the lyric to uh, Stars on Sunday, from the All Seeing Eye album Pickled Eggs and Sherpa, which is the most horrible title for a record (laughs) ever, don't you think? pickled eggs and sherbet it's like you you just say it and you've got indigestion I'm reaching for me Rene I didn't have anything to do with that title for that record Uh, and I blame the title for the fact that it didn't sell anything (laughs) Um, uh, but yes how can a child grow up to be straight and told in this sad imitation of life Um, well that kind of goes back to the previous thing doesn't it I mean it's like um But, but then I, I don't believe in getting too uh, doom and gloom about the uh, dehumanizing effects of, of mass technology. Because I'm sure, like, so now it's the bugbear is, is the internet, and then before that it was telly, and then I'm sure before that it was radio, and then it probably would have been the piano. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so there's always something that people think is, is is corrupting and leading people from the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I, I don't quite believe it. So, I, uh, so whether a child can grow up to be straight and tall, I don't know. But
1: so that lines about technology, the sad imitation of life. Um.
0: Well, yeah. Cause well, n- well, I don't know. I, um. Well, it's probably that the other th- the other side effect of of. Stuff like TV shows and, and things like that is that often people can feel that they're not living the real life. You know, like there's someone who is just having it all the time. The, you know, uh, and you know, people think that pop stars are having it all the time, you know, like, wow, yeah, he's traveling around in his, you know, Rolls Royce with his crystal on ice all the time. And um, there's women everywhere and stuff like that. You know, there's always like, said somehow this isn't the real thing and somebody else is doing it better. And, and um, that's a shame, to be dissatisfied with your life and think that this is a sad imitation of life. Because, you know, um, it's the only one you've got, isn't it? So it'd be, it'd be better to kind of at least attempt to like it rather than think that somebody else is doing it better than you are.
1: Did you not ever go in a Rolls Royce with a crystal? and...?
0: Uh, yeah, that's else? how I got, how do you think I got it? today? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, so this one intrigued me. How do we avoid being like all those other cheese masters? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not testing you. You don't have to quote. You know which which line. No, but I'm, which I, I like, like showing sure off. Okay, that's fine. That's, <laughs>
0: uh, that's that's from the song Modern Marriage. Um, yeah, well, a cheese master is uh, is not you know a master Angier in my <laughs> it, Cheese master is just if somebody is cheeser you know, and and kind of. Um, that, in that context that it was used there was, was from a s- song imagining um, a, a more modern set of marriage vows which, which revolved kind of about the ethics of what to do if you found someone's stash of marijuana whilst tied in the flat and whether you would be allowed to smoke it And the answer was, yes, but leave at least a joints worth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess, you know, uh, I was very scared of getting married. Uh, And I thought that it it indicated uh, that you had become conventional or or sold out in some way. that was quite a long time ago, so I don't know whether I really believe that anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's interesting. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to break off from my script because oh, right. uh, yeah, it's radical. Um, <laughs> I um,
0: going off piste. These these uh
1: these go back a long way. These go back to what early 1980s yeah the, the first one? i mean 81? i didn't
0: burden the people with too many from then but the the first one is from like 1983 yeah uh-huh.
1: and um you know without getting into whether it's 46 or 47% biographical um what's it like you know when you're putting them together what was it like kind of looking at your approach to songwriting then your approach to you know because it's not just a technical approach to songwriting it's what you were writing about your ideas your 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 values how they've changed you know were there ones that you that kind of artistically you wanted to include but somehow Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over
2: 1
0: million other businesses with stamps.com. Use code program for a special offer. That's stamps.com code program.
1: Felt a bit weird to include.
0: No cuz I what I realized was that the cuz I I don't make a habit of going back and looking at things, but um, what I realised was that the, the the kind of dodgier ones, the ones that expressed more iffy and and opinions, mm-hmm. were were the best ones. Okay. Uh, well, or the most most. Oh, not the best ones. I can't. You can't say. But the ones that entertained me most.
1: Entertain you now. To look yeah, like when them. I read
0: them back. So so. You know, trying to be Mr. Nicey-nicey. I'm a nice, balanced person. Um, Great, but don't write about it. It's not interesting, is it? Mm -hmm. I I don't know. And it just struck me that that was the case. Um, Even when I did that reading just now, the second one was a bit of a nicer song. Mm -hmm. The sentiment was nicer. Mm -hmm. But the first one was more entertaining for me to read. Mm -hmm. I realised halfway through, I thought, shit, I put these in the wrong order. (laughs) But... uh, so I think that's the thing that um, uh, I don't know if it's unfortunately or fortunately or whatever but but uh, it's kind of entertaining to see people fuck up <laughs> or to read something that's a bit, uh, we were talking as we were coming here, I, I read one of John's stories recently which was about a, a guy kind of a nightmare guy uh, spoiling his daughter's uh, kind of school concert because he's, he's been denied access it's a bit like a I suppose like a father's what is it that kind of those guys who, who chain themselves to cranes in in Batman suits or whatever and, and say that father's for what is it fathers, that's it yeah okay he's, he's a bit of one of them and uh, and he kind of like he's, he's not supposed to come near his daughter but he kind of goes around the side of the school hall and peers in through the window then somebody comes out and and he gets kind of arrested I can't
1: kind of just give the ending
0: away oh. <laughs> sorry anyway, <laughs> but but you know I found that very funny but but you know uh, obviously in real life that's not a nice situation but mm-hmm. th- th- there's something I don't know there's just th- something that's kind of amusing about those things so mm-hmm. when I went mm-hmm. back and looked at, uh, even though I might not uh, you know I might be <coughs> appalled by some of the opinions expressed uh, I found those ones kind of um, entertaining
1: mm-hmm. and what about the rhyme schemes were you pulled by any of your earlier rhyme schemes
0: <laughs> yeah well that's why the book is called <laughs> what it's called because uh, mother brother lover because I, I realised that I, I just used that <laughs> rhyming scheme a lot and uh, there's, uh, there's two examples in there but there were at least uh, f- four or five in other songs that uh-huh. I just thought I I can't put it in too much but then then it became the title so then it seems that was to try and fool people into thinking that it was on purpose.
1: Like a deliberate thematic resonance yeah. that you'd built up through yeah. your career. Yeah that one and the other one I noticed was um, coffee whitener you got this thing about fat kids addicted to coffee whitener.
0: Well no well that's a slightly different thing because that was just sometimes you might come up with a line that you like and keep trying to get it into a song and then that song just doesn't make the grade for some reason Okay. but then you, you like that line so you want to you keep trying to use it mm-hmm. and eventually on the third time lucky I got Coffee Whitener into a song and then I was hoping to get some kind of sponsorship from, <laughs> from Coffee Mate or something but it just didn't come through
1: why do we have to half kill ourselves just to prove we're alive
0: yeah well that's that's kind of coming back to what we've just been talking about, isn't it? That that. Um, 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 I don't know what it is. It's like a. I, I, if I if I knew a bit more about uh, psychology, I, I would. It's probably like some the, the subconscious death wish or something like that. But um, we we do have to kind of. Somehow you have to escape from your normal, rational behavior all the time, I think. Um, but I don't really think, you know, sometimes people say that, oh, well, that's, in that song it says, you know, the, um, talk about, you know, the, what is it? The road to excess leads to the Palace of Wisdom. I really don't believe that. I think the road to excess leads to the hospital infirmary uh, (laughs) A&E department Um, um, but but in some ways um, we have to go there just to find out we don't want to live there or something Mm -hmm. I I, um, I don't think uh, getting drunk or taking drugs or anything helps your creativity at all but and, and, and work that's produced whilst people are drunk or on drugs is awful uh, and performing if you're on drugs is, is just is, is a really bad idea I'm speaking personally here. I don't know if other people might, might be able to do it but I certainly can't um, but um, I don't know I suppose it gives it gives some idea about the fundamental aspects of your nature if you get so out of it something very basic comes through and I guess that's why people get drunk or take drugs because it allows something to come out and um, it's not always pleasant what comes out but it is I suppose it does give a certain insight into, into, um, into what you are and I think that's something that I noticed about the taking of drugs that I think has changed in my humble opinion uh, that, um, uh, that the idea of taking drugs for consciousness expansion seems to have kind of kind of died out a bit and now it's more people kind of take drugs the drugs that they like to take are just for obliteration it's almost like you're looking for a bit of peace and quiet and something that'll just bring the shutters down mm-hmm. and, and, and and keep everything away and and keep everything at bay for a moment rather than kind of trying to launch yourself and get more of a understanding of things which seem to be the thing with like taking mushrooms and acid and stuff like that. Uh, um, A a spirit of exploration now it seems to be really like a kind of let's let's hide in a bunker and pretend that nothing's happening. Mm. So that's a weird kind of, I noticed that when I was into raving And and so I didn't know whether that was like a a healthy thing or not because I remember taking LSD and and mushrooms and things um, after I'd left school, and it kind of they're they're quite draining experiences because you get you know you 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 tend to look inside yourself and 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 you know being aware of the the size of the cosmos can be a bit wearing. <laughs> but uh, then when I was going to raves in the kind of late 80s, early 90s there was kids like taking acid and stuff and it, for them it seemed much more like a Disney thing, like, oh look, my hand's right big. <laughs> <laughs> look at that bloke over there, he's got a dog's head. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and I thought, well maybe that's better, rather than like, going into some kind of psych logical meltdown, of, where am I, where is my place in the universe, if you can just get amused by the fact that your hand looks right big, maybe that's better, so I don't know, whether, but I do think it's a change in the, in, in the in drug culture, I don't know how we got into drug culture, but anyway yeah.
1: No, um, I asked you about half killing oh, yourself, and yeah, so yeah. you went okay. straight into, there's lots of ways of half killing yourself, but obviously yeah. for you that was mm. drink and drugs Are you happy just to be alive?
0: Yeah very, very much so, yes.
1: Good. Um, <laughs> in a minute I want to ask you about the radio stuff, but I'm just going to finish off this yeah, because yeah. it took me ages to work it out. I um, <laughs> had a highlighter pen and everything. Yeah, um, can you answer this question? Mm. Can you answer it right? Mm. Have you ever done anything good in your life?
0: I, well, I don't know. <laughs> That's from the song The Professional. Well,
1: Have you ever done anything that wasn't just for yourself?
0: No, probably not, no. Well that's, that brings us on to the, <coughs> I was going through a bit of a crisis at that point because it brings us back to that question of how much is real and how much isn't you know and but if you use your own life and your own experience as material for your work there's a, there's a moral dilemma there of like it's like saying to someone like you know come on hurry up do something interesting so I can write about it and make some money. And that's not a nice thing to say to people, especially if you're having relationships with them, or something, <laughs> yeah. or if you. Um, so, um, so, so uh, that that's that's uh, something that you have to. It is a moral dilemma, I think that, you know, and, and I'm not sure what the answer to it is, and, and why you feel compelled to to share aspects of your private life with other people, um, and whether that's right or whether it's fair on the people that are near to you, you know. Um, So that song, The Professional, was when I was thinking it wasn't right at all. It was like, you know, I'm a professional. Uh, You know, to think of yourself as a professional, everything that you do is like just material to be used. There's something wrong about that, you know. I think think you have to... uh, you should be just happy just to be alive and and live life for its own sake rather than thinking wow this is great material Uh, you know it's a it's a funny one that Mm
1: -hmm. you look uncomfortable (laughs) I'm going to move on no 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 (laughs) I don't don't know
0: I don't know the answer to that's the thing I'm not particularly uncomfortable with it but I just don't know the uh, what the answer to that thing is sometimes time lag can help Mm -hmm. that's what I've tried to use is to only write about things years after they've happened. Mm. So like Pulp's most famous song, Common People, is about like being at college in like 1989, but it, it didn't get r- written until 1995. So you kind of hope that people have... Then it's all right, they're not bothered to do something else. Mm-hmm. So they're not bothered if you slag them off or say something about them. So it doesn't always work there. Have you spoken to them? Sometimes you get people ringing you up and saying, how dare you put that in? Did
1: you ever speak to the girl from Greece?
0: No, well, nobody seemed to be able to find her. Right. Except then, uh, last year, St. Martin's Art College was shutting down and they had like a last hurrah, they had a party and we played at it. And then somebody showed me this photo that really looked like her, but then I was a bit pissed, so I never followed it through. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm It's like you say in the introduction. You talk about not writing about Sheffield until after you'd moved away, Mm. and I think, regardless of the kind of the ethics of it, it takes a while for experiences to to filter through so that they're not just a kind of raw retelling of this happened and I did this and she said that and we did that. It kind of once it's filtered down, it it becomes something new, and and I think that's where it becomes okay to use.
0: Yeah, anything. and I think also a part of it must be your brain just kind of, like I said, doing a filtering process of saying, well, do you want to keep this memory or not? Because I'm running out of space here. You keep watching all these films and stuff, you know. You're using up all this memory mm. stuff. So so, do you want to remember that trip to that coffee bar? Really? Are you going to do something with it? Really? And so it presents itself up to you, mm. and then it's up to you whether you write it down or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of I suppose yeah, you're sifting through your experience and trying to work out what what was important and what and what wasn't. And, and time tends to do that, mm-hmm. I think.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but but uh, yeah, so maybe it's not just a safety mechanism. It might just actually just be a, a, a mental process. I am quite slow mentally. You've probably noticed. <laughs> that I have, my reaction times are pretty slow.
2: Mm.
0: I I wouldn't make a good, uh, like, airline pilot or something like that. (laughs) uh, So so it generally takes a long time for things to sink in.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. That's why I'm not coming back with a a witty Okay. I'll have fun as I walk out the street. Um, I did, I actually wanted to ask you about the radio and that kind of fits in because if you're talking on the radio, you have to be fairly quick-witted, unless everything's recorded, in which
0: case you can. If you listen to my show, yeah, it's very slow, and loud. so if you talk very slowly, it gives you a chance to imagine what you might say next.
1: That's, That's a good the key. Tip. It is. That's, That's the key. But I was thinking about how you know the '90s pulp was a big deal. It was a kind of you know you'd been you'd been in a in a band that wasn't making any kind of a splash for a long time. Suddenly things were huge, and then the third album for whatever reason didn't sell so many. You suddenly you weren't the kind of tabloid star that you'd been for that short period of time. And now it feels as if, you know, with the the six music show and the stuff you've been doing on radio for. Not that you're reinventing yourself because you're still playing music and you're still going to the Q Awards and and all the rest of it, but it feels like you're finding your your way into a new chapter. Would that be fair?
0: Um, I hope so. Well, I don't know. It's not really a a, a thought out thing in that way, but. Um, uh, For me, um, it's kind of, the thing about uh, songwriting and the way that the music thing tends to work is that um, it's like being a a volcano. (laughs) you like, you're dormant for ages. It's like, and stuff's going through your head and that and then you kind of wait until it's going to be turned into a song and then you have to wait till you've got enough songs to make a record then you have to record it and then it comes out like that's your that's the that's the eruption when the record comes out like (laughs) like, 12 songs pop out into the world and um, and then you go away and then four years later you do the same thing again it's quite a long-winded process I don't maybe it's like like writing books or whatever and so the thing about doing a A radio programme, although it can't be, you know maybe it can't be compared in terms of it being a creative endeavour or whatever uh, but it is similar in some ways, you're kind of attempting to communicate with people who are listening and stuff like that, but it it kind of that's more like being uh, stromboli you know, because that's just kind of constantly just going and it's kind of useful because it acts as like a natural lighthouse for shipping in the aeolian (laughs) sea area Um, so so um so that kind of regular eruption rather than the kind of pompeii esque hundreds of years and then (laughs) because it's destructive you know that's the thing that the big eruptions are disruptive Mm -hmm. and kind of destructive and 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 um, and I, i don't know um At the moment the little eruptions i don't know why i got onto this imagery it's stupid isn't it but (laughs) the little regular eruptions little
1: i'm I'm, I'm concerned where it's going are are, uh,
0: (laughs) are kind of i i quite like that the fact that i'm not sitting around trying to grind something out all the time that you're kind of forced into a thing where you you produce this thing every week and it's quite pleasant Does that answer your question at all? Yes, it does. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I'm aware of the time, and I'm sure people have got lots of questions they also want to ask. um, Just could you sign this for my daughter?
0: (laughs) Is she called Miriam? No. All right. No, but that's the line from the thing. Can you sign this for my daughter? It It comes from uh, the thing. What is the name, really? Eleanor. Eleanor. Yeah. Yeah. Weren't that one of the names on that tent? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, yeah so if you've got questions uh, don't feel obliged to make your question a direct quotation from one of the songs in the book Um, you know I might not do that technique again Um, yes there's one here already great Hello. hello hello when I was a teenager
2: I always thought you were really cool because you understood that women liked lyrics and um, not muscle and, right. um, <laughs> and <laughs> I think one of you, you were talking a lot about how your songs were about the past but I think one of your best recent songs is about the future your song don't let him waste your time All right, yeah, and it seems to be like a feminist classic and I just wondered if you could um, I've got it on my playlist after um, these boots are made for walking Okay, and um, I just wondered if you could tell us a bit about how you wrote that song and who's it for, who is it for
0: Well you mentioned These Boots Are Made For Walking it was written for Nancy Sinatra who wrote that song I mean who performed that song Um, but um, it it kind of I mean it was written for her because at that time I was trying to I thought I'll I'll do a graceful retirement from the music business and just write songs for other people but it was kind of once I'd written it, I, I, it was kind of taken from my own experience, because I think, um, well I certainly did, and, and men tend to do that, I would say, sweeping generalization maybe, but they do tend to kind of avoid any form of commitment if it's at all possible. And so if if, if you're a, a woman in a relationship, you have to be careful that, uh, you could just end up with a lot of wasted time. So um, basically because I realized that I had done that um, to someone. So um, that was my attempt to uh, atone for my sins in some way. But um, yeah, that's how it came out. But you know, it's a catchy tune. That's what I mean you know, I, I like it if it's a, if it's a catchy tune, um, maybe in a weird way in my head it seems that if you can turn it into something that's a bit entertaining then it's not so bad. Maybe that's the reason for creating things, do you think? That it neutralizes things? It's like a kind of Febreze effect? <laughs> I don't know. Obviously not.
2: But. Hi there. Hello. Um, given the inimitable Stephen Patrick Morrissey is, uh, has finally given up and is releasing his autobiography this year, you ever uh, tempted to do do your life story in print?
0: No. <laughs> what is it? He's not doing his book. He's no. He is. Yeah, right. yeah Oh, he is doing yeah. his book. She's All she's right. Oh, is it? I'm, I think Sarah Brightman just eclipsed everything and I, and I just don't seem to have kept up with any other news. Uh, um, well, I, I think not, this isn't a sales pitch, but that, that's, this is about as far as I'm prepared to go down that path because it, it kind of follows, it's, it's, it's a chronological thing it's got notes in the back to kind of explain some of the more kind of arcane references to public transport issues, et cetera so um it kind of tells a, a story and, uh, and and in a way that I like that that um as I was saying in reference to that last question that in some ways, if you can turn your experience, be it good or bad into something um kind of like that a bit more than just that like the encounter group kind of approach of let's just pour it all out um if you can kind of make it into something that that somehow um that for me that's what um creativity is about is it, in some way it's like um oh, what it's not, it's not really saying that making something mean... Well, you can kind of add a bit of meaning to your own life. You know, life as it's lived is, is quite random, I think. And I think that's something to... I don't think that's a negative thing, but it just is random, the way it works out. And, and, um, but the thing is, you can add a storyline. And I guess we're a bit hooked on storylines, uh, especially, you know, with being brought up with films and TV where things do have a plot. But your life doesn't necessarily have a plot. Um and so but you can kind of add one to it by kind of jiggling things about and using it to create something. So it's a way of kind of adding a narrative to your to, to your life and, and uh, which it doesn't have naturally. So I'd rather you know, it's it's the condensed reader's digest version of your life and, and uh and I, I quite like that. Sorry, that was a very rambling answer. I'm very sorry.
1: It does make it sound as if it's more like 53% autobiographical. So maybe it's worth... Yeah, anyway.
2: Hello. Um, Hello. I'm interested in the difference between um, performing music and reading things out. And I was wondering how you, you... How the experience was reading your lyrics as opposed to singing them.
0: Well, the ones that I tend to try and do will be ones that were quite spoken word anyway, because um, the other ones that have a tendency to kind of like, you feel like um, Peter Sellers. Um, it's been a hard day's night and I've been working <laughs> like a dog. It's been a hard day's night. I should be sleeping like a log, but when I come home to you, I find the things that you do make me feel alright. Um, so, so doing ones that have got a tune and, and have a more obvious kind of rhyming structure to them tend to sound a bit like that. Um, which is amusing. Uh, yeah, it is very different. and it, so, so I tend to try and do the more spoken word ones because then it doesn't seem such a leap to just suddenly Talk them, you know, um, and hopefully that that works in some ways. I have done it with slides sometimes, Um, sometimes that's okay. Unfortunately, couldn't do that this evening, but uh, yeah. I can do one, shall I do another one? Yeah, Yeah. shall we do one like like an encore? All right, well, we were talking about. I was saying about the ones that have got dodgy subject matter end up somehow um, seeming more entertaining. So this was one of the dodgiest ones. Um, So this is called I Spy and and I suppose it kind of maybe sums up some of my um, approach. No way. Okay. I spy a boy. I spy a girl. I spy the worst place in the world, in the whole wide world. Oh, you didn't do bad. You made it out. I'm still stuck here, but I'll get out. Oh, yeah. I'll get out. Can't you see a giant walks among you, seen through your petty lives? Do you think I do these things for real? I do these things just so I survive and you know I will survive. It may look to the untrained eye that I'm sitting on my arse all day, but I'm biding time until the day I take you all on. My lords and ladies, I shall prevail. I cannot fail, because I spy. I've got your numbers, taken notes, I know the ways your minds work, I have studied, and your minds are just the same as mine, except that you are clever swines. You never let your mask slip, you never admit to it, and you never hurried. And every night, I hone my plan, how I will get my satisfaction, how I will blow your paradise away, because I spy. Yeah, it's just like in the old days. I used to compose my own critical notices in my head. The crowd gasp at Cocker's masterful control of the bicycle, skillfully avoiding the dog turd outside the corner shop. Imagining a blue plaque above the place I first ever touched a girl's chest. But hold on, you've got to wait for the best. You see, you should take me seriously. Very seriously indeed. Because I've been sleeping with your wife for the past 16 weeks. Smoking your cigarettes, drinking your brandy, messing up the bed that you chose together. And in all that time, I just wanted you to come home unexpectedly one afternoon and catches at it in the front room you see I spy for a living and I specialise in revenge on taking the things I know will cause you pain I can't help it I was dragged up my favourite parks are car parks grass is something you smoke birds are something you shag take your year in Provence and shove it up your ass your Ladbrook grove looks turned me on with the roach burns in designer dresses skin stretched tight over high cheekbones and thousands of tiny dryness lines beating a path to the corners of your eyes and every night I hatch my plan it's not a case of woman v man it's more a case of haves against havens and I just happen to have got what you need just exactly what you need in the midnight hour I will come to you. I will take you from this sickness, dinner parties and champagne. I'll hold your body and make it sing again. Come on, sing again. Let's sing again. Because I spy. Yes, I spy a boy. I spy a girl. I spy a chance to change the world. To change your world. Thank you for joining us for this London Review Bookshop event. For more,
2: visit our website at www.londonreviewbookshop.co.uk or search for the London Review Bookshop on iTunes.